this really began first a journey of self-education, really trying to learn the human body and our nervous system in particular. And this thing that developmentally is being created while we are here on earth and having what for some of us are really overwhelming, really emotional and really traumatizing experiences that ultimately are a big part of the reason why into adulthood we're stuck. So after a gradual evolution of this new holistic idea where we began to talk about a body and these new choices that we could create wellness through, I made that hard shift and really determined for myself that this is the way that I was healing myself now for the first time in decades and the way that I wanted to begin to speak with clients and to speak about this healing journey was from that holistic perspective. everyone and welcome to the glow podcast my guest on this episode is nicole lapera she's the author of how to do the work recognize your patterns heal from the past and create yourself nicole shares her evolution from psychologist to holistic psychologist the journey started when she heard many clients saying they weren't getting anywhere in therapy and nicole had to admit herself that she felt stuck in her own healing journey at times as well when she wondered why it sent her into an investigation of how not only genetics, but even more so how our environment shapes who we are and influences our nervous systems. Nicole talks about how to build resilience and how to use our breath to regulate the body and settle the reactive mind. She shares the supportive benefits of her self-healer circle and the importance of community. I appreciate Nicole's spirit of curiosity, that of a lifelong learner, and her bravery to do the work. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Nicole as much as I did. Nicole, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate you and your work so much. You have your background in education and psychology, but it's your willingness to continuous learning and staying open and curious that is so inspiring. And by that, you are helping people all over the world. Your book, How to Do the Work, and your teachings are impacting so many people. And I think it's because of your willingness to connect, to reach out, and you share in such an authentically beautiful, real, vulnerable way with humility and grace. And I thank you for that. Thank you so much, Lisa, for having me and for those very, very kind words. Um, It means a lot to hear. And I was actually kind of joking to myself. My dad always teased me and said, My intention when I went to school forever to become a psychologist was to be a lifelong student. And hearing you describe me in that way, I'm sure he's smiling when he would hear this as well, because I'm in many ways just that. (laughs) Yes. And I think it's having that mindset. That's what helps all of us is that you come from that point of view. Before we get into your book and your generous offers on social, you are a holistic psychologist. So from this approach, you're looking at body, heart and mind. With that, I wonder if we could start with the birth of your work. And could I even say like the transitioning from psychologist to holistic psychologist and then the birth of how to do the work? Absolutely. And I think that's a really accurate, Lisa, way to describe it as a transition, maybe evolution, uh, because that's really, really what it was for me. So, you know, back as far as long as I can remember um, I always had a an urge to understand people, to understand their mind. I was really fascinated with this really powerful human mind. And I would read all of the books on psychology and, and the way, you know, we think and the way we're different and similar. And ultimately, before long, you would have heard me beginning to speak about wanting to become a psychologist, to do just that, understand people and help people understand themselves, ultimately, you know, in service of of healing and on the personal side of my journey, I, I've known anxiety for as long as I can remember. I was quite literally the little girl afraid of the world and very much carried that experience with me into my adulthood, very much thinking, I think as many of us do, um, especially when we have things like anxiety, depression, and you know that these diagnoses that for a very long time we were taught um, that you know they were genetically determined, meaning we had a chip and you know, I saw a very similar presentation in my mom and my sister, and I had no reason to believe that I wouldn't, you know, struggle to some extent with anxiety my whole life. And 
So flash forward in time, I went through all the training, got myself licensed so I could open up this practice that I always wanted to have. And, you know, I'm very thankful that it was very successful very quickly. I had the clients who would come in for sessions with me week after week. And it was very much using what I would call an integrated approach, mainly though thinking from the mind down as we psychologists do. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, in my book, even you'll read about the incredibly powerful mind and thoughts and beliefs that we have. However, up until this point in time, I I didn't talk about the body. I didn't think about the body um, for my own self as well um, in terms of living in my own human body. It just really wasn't part of my daily conversation and conversations I had with my clients. Though what I started to feel uh, a couple of years now into my practice, I was seeing a lot of disempowered humans coming in Mm. the door with incredible insight awareness. I mean, these are people that we were really getting to know each other and could even come up with, you know, anticipate the next time X, Y, or Z, whatever is would happen and have all these game plans of how we're going to, you know, maintain these changes that we're working for every week. Um, And ultimately what I continued to get reports of was not change, not maintain change, not even relief this idea and this concept that kept coming up in session after session, Lisa, was I'm stuck. And I'm starting to wonder, you know, this is from clients, what's wrong with me? Am I broken? I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. You know, I'm spending all this money seeing you on therapy and I'm just not getting better. I'm not feeling better. And if I was being perfectly honest, I was starting to feel just the same as them. Um, I checked all these boxes in life. I'd done all the things that I thought were going to help me to feel fulfilled and happy and all the things. And I was just sitting right alongside of them in that disempowered state. So from that place, mainly of personal curiosity, um, is where my my transitional journey began. I I went online like a lot of us do, and that student in me, um, I I was really seeking to understand, you know, why, why are so many of us so stuck? Why aren't we getting better? Why can't we change? And what I was met with was really the beginning of, of a door being being opened for me, really turning that idea of genetics and how much of a role they play. And of course, they play a role mm-hmm. um, in, in, our, in our life, in the symptoms, in our health, in our wellness or lack thereof. However, I was now being introduced to this new idea, which is the incredible power of our environment um, and the choices that we're making living this environment day after day, choices that also include our bodies. And so for me, this really began um, first a journey of self-education, of really trying to learn the human body and our nervous system in particular, um, this thing that developmentally, you know, is being created while we are here on, on earth and having what for some of us are really overwhelming, really emotional and really traumatizing experiences that ultimately are a big part of the reason why into adulthood we're stuck. So after a gradual evolution of kind of this new holistic idea where we began to talk about a body and these new choices that we could make, we could create wellness through, um, I made that kind of hard shift and really, you know, determined for myself that this is the way that I was healing myself now for the first time in decades and the way that I wanted to begin to speak with clients and to speak about um, this healing journey was from that holistic perspective. It's interesting because I think having gone through your own experiences and your own anxiety that gives you you know that makes you so much more relatable and again so much more on a mission as you said to educate yourself and get to the why and get to deeper layers of creating this realizing that the mind and body are connected and what we need to learn from that holistic place of wellness So I think that's really great and helpful to people. For instance, like I have an autoimmune condition. If I go to someone that has some experience Mm -hmm. with autoimmune conditions, I have experienced anxiety and debilitating panic attacks. If I'm talking with someone that has also been through that in terms of I'm talking about a wellness practitioner now, right? Like a psychologist or a therapist or or some type of doctor. I feel heard. I feel understood. And there's some relatable piece there. But then you inevitably have those experiences where you're sitting down with someone that they have the education, but they don't necessarily have the experience to layer in. Of course, maybe hearing from patients over time, but once you experience it in your own body, in your own mind, you understand it completely. There's just, which helps. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Lisa. And what's so interesting, and even hearing you say this affirms um, that intuition that I've had all along, which is that 
you know, when you're work, when you're working with someone or any relationship, right, that we're with a coach, with a practitioner, with a therapist, with a business partner, mm-hmm. um, there, there is that kind of humanness about it. You're looking to relate to another human. I truly believe and. A lot of us, you know, might even have heard humans as a species reference as interpersonal creatures or wired to connect. Um, Our nervous system is actually geared to do just that, to connect with another human. And here's why I'm leading into this. And I always kind of knew that, right? That like there's something and, you know, I had a little bit of quirkiness about me and I always dressed a little different than people in my program once I was in school to become a psychologist. And all I kept hearing was messages to tone down you know, me, um, I, I have tattoos all over me and I had a lot of colleagues and even teachers in my program wondering what I was going to do with my tattoos when I was starting to see clients, wouldn't I cover them up and, mm. you know, wear the traditional therapist, you know, uniform of a suit or a jacket or a professional quote unquote. And again, saying all that to say there's, there was a very strong pull in my field for a very long time to not be a human, to kind of water down that aspect of yourself. And I'm just sharing in terms of what I was told directly often and even indirectly about what I looked like, let alone mm. me to go and sit across or something. Oh yeah. Anxiety. Oh gosh. Let me tell you about yeah. my panic attack. <laughs> when that was my truth. Right. right so, right. and again, saying all that to say that in, I think it was 2018 when I even first created the Instagram account, the holistic psychologist, mm. um, which for me was my first opportunity to begin to speak about myself and my healing journey. Um, And for me, that was incredibly important in terms of my journey, because I had come to the awareness that I watered down so much because Mm. of these reasons. Um, Because in my family, I was always taught to worry about what the neighbors thought. And now I had this same message mirrored in a system. So again, sharing all that to say, uh, going online as a psychologist to be a human, sharing my own human journey Mm -hmm. was really frowned upon. And I'm seeing that shift and change and want to commend all of the other teachers and practitioners out there who were taught the same thing or urged not to. Um, and hearing you say that really just affirms that this is what we're looking for. We're not looking yeah. for a robot in front of us with a watered down version who's pretending like they have it all together when they are sitting there struggling in the same way that you are. So yeah. creating my platform and now you know having these conversations regularly with people like you on my own podcast within my self-healer circle um, I really urge and and want to emphasize how powerful our voices and our stories can be. Yeah. Um, maybe you're not shouting it from the rooftops on Instagram like I am and like you are in a podcast right now, um, though beginning to live into your truth in our small circles, mm-hmm. I think can be so healing because we're all looking for that connection and that humanity. That's one of the things I keep coming back through with your work and is that you really help people not feel so alone in it all by giving them, by you showing up as your authentic self, you're giving permission for others to do the same. And what a beautiful invitation that is. That's the ultimate invitation where you can start to lay down these sort of barriers, if you will, and really look, start to look at yourself in an authentic way because you're witnessing someone else do the same and share in the same way. So, so I applaud you for that. Back into the book, How to Do the Work, you share so beautifully your, what I call, um, like falling to the knees type of moments, those those dark nights of the soul moments, which can be so painstakingly beautiful, right? Those heart heart cracked open, raw feelings that come through that are so painful, but so beautiful. Throughout your book, you're weaving in these personal experiences, again, which makes it that much more meaningful and impactful and relatable. It certainly pulls on my heartstrings and and helps me feel like not so alone in in certain things I've gone through in my life. So I think that with you offering the education, the guidance, the tools, the action steps, which we'll get to in a little bit, but by weaving in these personal experiences and the way you do it, you're giving these like real life examples, which I don't know if you want to comment on that, but I'm, I'm guessing that was obviously intentionally done in, in this like beautiful, again, holistic way. I think, you know, the power of of story, of voice, of sharing um, all of the moments, not just the moments that we're proud of. And, you know, a lot of us are more practiced in sharing and getting validation for. Mm-hmm. And that's actually exactly the journey that I myself lived. I, I learned, um, as we all do, we're all 
from the moment where we arrive here in conception, you know, on earth, we're all very attuned. We're very adaptive creatures. Um, And because our, our relationships are literally um, we need them for our survival, our survival as a human infant depends on someone at least consistently enough showing up for our care, fitting in to whatever, you know, that, that relationship with maybe that one caregiver who it was for whoever is listening or that family Mm -hmm. is, is so incredibly important. Um, You know, having and maintaining those connections again, because they are based in our survival. Um, And so for me, you know, I got so good at learning as we all do how to show up in connection with someone else. Um, And doing that for me, that meant overstepping and and overshadowing so much of what was actually happening for me. Um, I heard a lot from my childhood comments and not well, ill-intended at all, you know, just observatory comments. I'm like, oh, nothing bothers Nicole. And, you know, she's seemingly okay. And we're all here stressed out. And she's just over there like, fine, I guess. Um, (laughs) And I got very good at that. I got very good at not ever showing that I wasn't fine and at gravitating toward the things that allowed me to feel as fine as I, I could feel. Meaning I learned that I was very academically gifted. I knew how to achieve at school. So I channeled it. Not surprising to hear me say I'm a lifelong student. I went to school for a million years to become a PhD. So I I found my ways as we all do into the areas where we can, you know, feel as comfortable as possible. And a lot of that for me meant not sharing Mm. certain aspects of difficulty I was having being embodying that nothing bothers Nicole so that I didn't bring concern or worry to someone else. So as much as I think that there's a power in in telling story and sharing a story, because we do get to see bits of our story in doing that, um, even the action of me sharing my story to then be printed in a book was a new experience. It was me telling people about these these other moments that I hadn't been so comfortable sharing for so long for many different reasons. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I continue to do that and even talk about the difficulty. So while you do see, while many of you do, you know, see that this pr- is printed in a book and it's distributed, you know, internationally at this point, and I have a Instagram account, I'm always sharing this stuff on my podcast, it's still uncomfortable. Um, there's still difficulty, you know, when mm. I'm sharing those low points or talking about emotions, even with my partners, not even globally, you know, to yeah. everyone who's listening now. Um, it's scary still, as as is the case for all of us who are doing new things. They're unfamiliar. And the first thing we feel when we do something un- unfamiliar is uncomfortable yeah. and to a different degree of discomfort. And if I'm being perfectly honest, Lisa, I hate it feeling uncomfortable, which is why I stayed in these predetermined lanes for myself until I couldn't any longer. And like you're saying, um, the book even opens with, you know, one of that more intense breakdown moments where I'm sobbing into oatmeal. um, Because even though I got so good at ignoring the deeper emotions that I was accumulating along my journey, they didn't go anywhere. Um, I just wasn't looking, I wasn't letting them out. And it took, you know, over two decades until they just came screaming to the surface and I had no, op- no option but to, to mm-hmm. look and listen. That was going to be one of my questions, actually. I was curious about that, if it had gotten any easier for you as you've been sharing so beautifully and vulnerably. Like, is it, does it get easier? And, and it sounds like not necessarily because you're, you're getting into these deeper layers of the psyche and the heart and all the things. And a big thank you for leaning into being uncomfortable and does in some ways do you get sort of find some type of being comfortable with being uncomfortable in some That's exactly in some ways? that's beautifully what happens um i like to talk about uh, what resilience is a lot of us probably have heard this word before emotional resilience stress resilience i want to be resilient let's raise resilient kids um, okay, so what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. Being resilient doesn't actually mean being avoidant or never feeling stressed or any other emotion, because that's what an emotion is. It's actually a stress to the body. Our emotions register in our body as sensations. Here we go. Now we're talking about the body again. Um, and so what is resilience really? It's not never feeling that. It's not the path I was taking. Oh, nothing bothers me. It's actually the ability to feel to become stressed or dysregulated or emotional, mm-hmm. and then to come back into a state of peace and calm or quote unquote okayness, if you will. So while it doesn't get easier, what we do build is that resilience and we right. become more empowered then 
to do things that are slightly more and more difficult or uncomfortable because I've shown myself, I've proved to myself. And that's one of the things that um, one of the difficulties with avoiding a lot of this is because we're sending that subconscious message to ourselves that I have to go around it mm -hmm. because I can't actually tolerate w mm -hmm. it, whatever that it might be. I can't tolerate this stressful experience. So in the immediate, it feels better to be avoidant, to be dissociated, to be detached. And that's the adaptation that a lot of us continue to live, yeah. um, though it doesn't necessarily mean that 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 the feelings of it are are going anywhere. So it's going through it. And every time we go around it, we're confirming that, yeah, you're right, Nicole, you can't deal with this. You can't deal with this. You have to avoid this. So as we go into discomfort little by little, this isn't diving into the deep end and doing something that yeah. is completely overwhelming for any of you, um, because that's actually going to do the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to continue to activate that same fear response, overwhelm your system and not actually build that resilience. So gradually mm -hmm. keep dipping that toe in. And then you're, you're teaching yourself that you can tolerate more and more discomfort. So I the next that. time you go to do something uncomfortable, you have a little bit of confidence that, yeah, yeah. it might suck. Yeah. I might be counting down the minutes till it's over. Right. <laughs> However, I won't combust yeah. and I know I'll make it in the, make it out the other side. Yeah. And so many things were just coming up for me in that moment because, well, first of all, this can manifest in so many ways, right? Like avoidance, then you bring in passive aggressiveness and all the things that manifest because you're avoiding. So we could probably talk an hour just on that. <laughs> um, so this rabbit hole is just beautiful and continuous, but I need to contain it. Um, and then, and then I was just thinking, you know, when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and looking at the thyroid and the voice and the throat chakra and looking at unresolved things from my past that I never voiced from childhood, part of my healing that I knew I had to integrate was talking to my parents about things I had been holding in. And that conversation, as lovingly as our relationships are, was one of the most painful conversations. And so I had all the things, right? Like I had a notepad that I just kept writing and doodling on just to keep like writing hearts out or something. And then I had a crystal I was holding, all the things to get me through it. But it was, as you said, once you get to the other side, and as, as we know, the only way out is through. And there is something, as you said, you're gaining confidence for the next challenging conversation that you know in your heart. It's like your soul is crying out, this conversation needs to happen for your highest good, and you know it does. And so I also you feel, you can tell me your experience, but like you feel like this support just rise up around you, whatever it is for you, like if it's angels or whatever it might be for you, you just feel this invisible support almost. Maybe it's like grandmothers that have passed on or something. When you're going through these moments that I was just describing, if anyone has, like you kind of feel like there's something, a larger force uh, protecting you and supporting you through it. That's such a, a beautiful image and concept and idea. And, and I completely resonate with at least in so many ways. And I think the first thing you're describing, right, this idea of support or being surrounded, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the word that popped into my head and it comes up a lot um, in, in the work that I do is presence, mm -hmm. right? Um, being in presence of, and here you're describing in my presence of another entity, an angel, a supportive entity or whatever that might be. And I really want to just highlight presence and how incredibly powerful that presence can be. And presence begins when first and foremost, we're present to ourselves. And I say this as someone who one of the major adaptations that, you know, that I made, my nervous system actually made for me, as it will do for most all of us when we're in stress, consistently stressed environments um, in childhood, was it, I detached, I, I did something called dissociation, um, which really simply means that you know, physically I was present to my life. I was going about the motion. So mentally, and I, I paint this picture because I think a lot of us are visual. I was living on a spaceship. It was like, I was intentionally somewhere else um, entirely. And so to deal with, you know, an overwhelming environment, I left my, my body. I left those emotional signals that were happening. So that nothing bothered Nicole very much was emblematic of, well, Nicole was pretty much on a spaceship. So she was so safely distanced from any bother that mm -hmm. was happening down below, if you will, in my body, right? That I, I was actually separate from. So when we talk about presence, a lot of us aren't present. And the practice that I often refer to, to build back presence is 
through consciousness, through becoming conscious to living in a physical body, to being present to whatever's happening in front of us. And when we're in our own presence, right, then we're, we're not actually alone. We're not isolated. One of the biggest reasons I felt one of the number one things that I would, that would come to mind whenever I was having an issue and in my relationships or in life was I'm disconnected. I don't feel emotionally connected to you, partner, and clearly it's you, so I'll find a new partner. And not realizing that the reason why I wasn't fulfilled in my job, for instance, I told you I opened up this practice, it's all I dreamed about. Now I'm living it, and you know, neither here nor there, because I wasn't present to my life, because I wasn't present to myself. And once we're fully present to ourselves, then whatever your belief system is in terms of spirituality or religion, um, I believe that we are unified at our core, right? We are not, I don't think, you know, humanity isn't separate. While we're all in separate bodies, um, there is a unified togetherness. So when we're in our own presence, now we even have our, the opportunity to feel, whether it's the angels around you or even just nature around yeah. you, all of the energy that we're living interconnected with, None of that is possible. And most of us will begin, end up feeling disconnected to some degree if we're first and foremost not in a state of presence. Beautiful. Thank you for that. The next thing I wanted to lean into was our interconnectedness with one another and with nature, the collective heartbeat of humanity, if you will. And I I like to say, take care of yourself because our world needs you. And I feel like a lot of people are feeling that, like we're here for a certain mission to heal things. Because as you said, your parents did what their parents did, did what their parents did. And a lot of us are seeing these repetitive patterns get passed on. And some of us are waking up and seeing that, okay, the buck stops here. And part of my mission is to heal the family legacy and So I just wondered if you had any thoughts around that in general. 100%. And, you know, describing it as, you know, we are humans being raised by other humans. And and when I was seeing that similarity in in anxiety and personality traits, and I'm putting the air quotes up, of course, because what I was seeing, and and it really did map onto this idea of, oh, of course, because genetically we're all quite similar. So that makes sense for why then all of these different express expressions of genetics, our personality, quote unquote, and these emotional symptoms I'm having, it makes sense that they're all running through this then genetic code that's being passed between us. However, like I was sharing earlier, not realizing that even the first environment all of us listening were raised in was inside of another human and whatever environment they found themselves living in, whatever, you know, nutritional environment and, and rest or activation or whatever it was that they, however it was that they were treating their bodies Mm -hmm. based on factors that were either within or outside of their control become then your environment as a, as an infant in utero. Right. So all of these decisions, you know, do get modeled and passed on. And this is why so many of us see these habits and patterns in our lineages and are beginning to, I, I, I totally agree with you that kind of collectively, you know, whether you want to call it an awakening or, you know, coming to consciousness, we're all beginning to question and see these patterns and beginning to, you know, make choices to, to break them and to do things differently. And, Um, So this idea of kind of the interconnectedness and I refer to us as being, you know, interpersonal creatures um, and being wired to connect. And again, all of this actually maps onto our physiology, the the way our nervous system is developed and developing. Our nervous system is actually developing well into us having, you know, time we're born and our nervous system, our brain is developing, I think. Um, the frontal, the prefrontal cortex of our brain, the most powerful area where we can imagine and create a future. And it really is what kind of makes us uniquely human. That's developing into our 20s. Um, So all of this, right, is being impacted by everything that came before and by all of these environments that we're in. Um, So this unified, you know, kind of collection of, of us as individuals we, like I said, not only do we need these groups to survive, we actually have benefited, you know, over the eons that we've developed, you know, as creatures by being connected, by having these like division of labor and by feeling the emotional support of being in a group, 
of other people. So if you were to ask me, um, I believe that when we're talking about our physiology and our nervous system and our heart, um, an incredibly powerful organ in our body, um, I believe that all of that is wired for cooperation, to connect with another human under the right circumstances. And what those circumstances are, are circumstances of feeling safe enough to, right. having our needs met consistently enough that I can safely you know, open myself up to connection with another human. And so what happens over time is if we want to paint a picture, we come as connected to our heart space and connected to other humans and open and willing to live from our authentic self. I believe that's where our self is. It's in this very powerful heart we have. And then we begin to live life in whatever environment we were born into. And like I was sharing, we begin to adapt. Our nervous system might become dysregulated. We can't actually cope with stress like I was describing earlier. And we stay stuck in a fight or flight response and no one is helping us find safety again. So more and more over time, we become disconnected. And we become disconnected because first and foremost, we're disconnected from ourself and our heart. And then that then continues to keep us disconnected from other humans. So when you say things like healing the world by healing and showing up, and I do believe that is what's happening, the more reconnected we become to ourselves, to our heart, and the more we begin to live from that cooperative space of care and compassion for other people, um, I do believe that that's how then as a humanity, as a global collective, we begin to heal because I think we're all, we're wired to do that. Yeah. And, you know, our global traumas that, that most all of us through our generations, maybe we're not living actively in a, in a traumatizing or traumatic environment, quote unquote, right now. However, we might be carrying that right, right in our genes, in our bodies from generations that came before. Um, and because of that, we might be in this, again, state of disconnection as opposed to connection. Yeah. And I think with all that you're saying too, is we're craving connection, right? On some level, whether we're conscious of it or not. Yes. 100%. If we talk about even just this past year yeah. and how, or this past two years, forced disconnections, you know, at our core, um, there's a lot that's coming up and challenging humans. I think when we're in a state of disconnection, what a beautiful time for your book to come into the world wild how the timeline of it yeah. all even honestly lisa if i'm being perfectly honest it, a decade ago i would have never imagined to be having any conversation with anyone about any book that i wrote sure um, it was never on yeah. you know kind of any uh expectation any vision board i i just never really thought i would i had anything a to say yeah. to put in a book that anyone would want to hear about um and b i would never get the opportunity so in terms of timing of it all there's so much that, you know, is that inner knowing that there, you know, that who knew that this was going to be part of my journey. Um, and here it is. And even I was just thinking with your social presence, like that was already primed up, ready to go for when this time with the, in the pandemic hit, you were already dialed in. I think about that too, with, with glow, with our offering, um, we had been at it since 2007 as yoga glow before we came glow. And we were primed up, ready to go for folks with yoga, meditation, Pilates, et cetera. So it was beautiful that we felt like we were already able to help people get through this, this trying time. I'd love to talk about the nervous system. It's interesting too, just thinking about glow classes. When I'm talking to people about our, our offering, whenever I mention classes to ground the nervous system, help settle the nervous system, like yoga nidras and meditation, restorative yoga, they light up and I can see that people are just craving this type of healing. And so, you know, especially as we said, during this time in our world, um, and we know that trauma is stored in the body. One of the things I really wanted to touch on was if you could speak about the nervous system a little bit more and how we carry trauma in the body and maybe even a little bit about the polyvagal theory and the vagus nerve. Absolutely. I'm happy to hear that uh, so much of your community lights up at that. And I think in a lot of ways, there's the nervous system is being talked about now. So I think people are finding their way toward information that again, a decade ago, uh, you know, I can't, other than it being referenced as running through our body and maybe some bio psych, you know, class I took, the nervous system in my, at least my training when I was in school, and I'm hoping that it has since been updated, was never really mentioned 
at all. Um, so I'm happy to hear that there's so much more conversation allowing people to happen upon this information. And I think those of us that have had the opportunity to come across a breathwork session or a, a really powerful yoga session or something that is activating our nervous system, that meditation or whatever it is, can actually begin to feel quite quickly, um, you know, as one kind of set of toolkits in terms of tools. I mean, these are tools that you can actually begin to feel you, you fall asleep, you begin to feel, oh my gosh, I'm a little bit calmer in my body. Who knew? Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're all a little skeptical and we all like to see for ourselves. And I think because so much of holistic work, even bring this conversation full circle a bit um, before I go into the nervous system, so much of holistic work is about an embodiment practice, mm. doing something, giving your body a new experience. If you are that person who's always stressed out in fight or flight, actually bringing your body to a place of calm for even just a second or two, mm -hmm. right? Is that embodiment practice I'm talking about? And this is why for so long, back in my, my old practice, just thinking about these concepts and not really preparing people to use them, which in, includes a very real conversation about how difficult it will be to use them. Because again, we don't like to do things that are unfamiliar. Right. Um, if we're dropping into our body and maybe to connecting with our nervous system, if you're like me living life on a spaceship, being in a body is can be overwhelming enough. Yeah. Um, so we want to do things slowly. So in terms of the nervous system, I mean, pretty much it, we, for so long, we, when we think about, you know, I even just referenced our heart as being a very powerful organ for a very long time, the brain was it, the brain was the most powerful thing in our body. Um, and, and really if it wasn't being controlled by the brain, it, it really had a secondary function and that's just simply, well, first and foremost, the brain is part of our nervous system. Our nervous system includes our brain, our spinal cord, and pretty much any, you know, kind of nerve that sends information from our brain to our body or from our body to our brain, because there's that interdirectional communication um, where both is happening all day long. Um, so our brain is, our, our nervous system, I should say, is, is really running the entirety of our physical experience, um, remembering as well that emotions are physical experiences in our body. Right. So now it's not only kind of responsible for you know, our body's physical health, um, it's sleep and it's wake cycles. Do we feel energized when we wake up, you know, and enough, do we have enough attention to get through our tasks throughout the day? Do we rest well at night? You know, do we have the nutrients to keep us thinking sharp? Um, it also governs how do we deal with that stress that we were talking about earlier or the emotions? Can we regulate through conflict? Can we interpersonally, just like we were describing, was describing earlier, connect with another human being? All of that is determined by our nervous system. Because when we're in that state of fight or flight, which is probably what most of you listeners out there have heard referenced when we're talking about our nervous system, um, fight or flight just means I think that there's something threatening in my environment. And so my body is geared up and ready to take action, to either run away from that thing that might harm me or to fight it, to, to keep myself safe. Um, and usually it maps onto my heart rate st starts to escalate. I might start to sweat a bit. Uh, maybe I can feel my blood pulsing through my veins. We can feel our bodies kind of gearing up for that action. Um, so when we're in that state, that becomes our sole focus, survival. Um, it's all we can think about and it's all we can do in that moment. Our sole task in that moment is to deal with whatever perceived threat is happening until I can become safe again. Um, so when we think about the impact um, of that on all of the other things that we might want to do in any moment, especially when the threat isn't actually present, um, because what's happening is because in childhood, again, we didn't have that safe place. We didn't have that regulated person who, when we were in distress, we were crying, we were sad, we were hungry, who came to us, helped us meet our need or met our need for, need for us allowing our body then to calm down, to go to sleep, to stop crying, to, to laugh again and smile at the caregiver, right? All of those are signs that I'm safe. I'm here. I'm open to connect. Yeah. We don't have that. What some of us might still be living in, even if that environment was decades ago in childhood, our body might still think it's stressed. It might never actually have come back into that zone of safety um, so that we can connect, so that our digestion is regular, so that we can sleep and have energy available. And I know probably listeners might think I'm talking about a superhuman. What do you mean sleep, energy? I don't have any of those things because I didn't. For a very long time, I thought that the, the standard of life 
um, was always stressed, having little sleep, having racing thoughts, because that's all I knew because my body again was so stuck in fight or flight. Um, that that's what was happening for me. So when we're stuck in that state of activation, it doesn't matter what's really happening in any given moment. Um, because what likely is happening is we will find the thing to worry about. Even if it's not present in our environment, we'll find it in our minds. Yeah. We'll rehash that argument that happened this morning with my partner. And you know what? The more I think about it, the more stressed out and upset I am. Or maybe I have something tomorrow I right. could become worrisome about. And before I know it, I'm still locked in that same cycle. Um, so again, our nervous system, what's important to know is it's, it's foundationally important in pretty much everything your body is doing, thinking, feeling, how you're relating to other people, to the world around you um, throughout any given day. Um, and that again, a lot of us are living with a nervous system that isn't allowing us to feel safe, to feel present, to feel connected to the world around us. Could you give your top tools for starting to regulate the nervous system and maybe what you found most helpful? I'd just love to hear that. Absolutely. So I'll start with the more foundational pieces um, because reminding everyone who's listening that your nervous system, this might sound silly to say, but it's, it's in your body, which means the basics of, right? Are you giving your body nutrients? Um, do you know what your body you know, feels good eating in terms of food and what makes it feel less than good? Um, are you sleeping? Are you getting the amount of hours um, in bed and actually sleeping, not just scrolling your phone in bed um, that your body needs? Are you resting it when your muscles are fatigued? On the other side of that, are you moving your muscles a bit? Mm -hmm. um, all of our human bodies are, are, are you know, need to some extent to move, even if it's just moving our joints or gently stretching. Movement and rest are very much parts of wellness. So all of those choices that look different, of course, for all of us in terms of what are we feeding our body, how are we moving and how are we resting it, yeah. those are foundational because the more healthy or well our body is, the more than our nervous system is getting the nutrients it needs, the more our nervous system is getting the rest it needs, the more our nervous system is getting that energetic discharge through movement that it needs. And then, of course, there's the other things that we can do, which involves, first and foremost, getting really intimate with your nervous system. Get so connected with your body that you can begin to tell when you're in these different states of nervous system activation. And the best marker for that is through our breath because our body is breathing and our body and our breathing is actually controlled outside of our awareness by our nervous system, a particular branch of our nervous system. And if you begin to tune into, so a quick exercise everyone listening can even do right now. Um, whether you're laying or sitting or wherever you might be, if you put a hand on your chest and you place a hand on your belly, and if you feel safe enough, maybe you want to close your eyes and just pay attention, just spend maybe a minute. We're not going to obviously do a full minute right now, but just begin to tune into where's where are you breathing from and how is your breath? Is it quick? Is it slow? Can you barely feel it happening? Um, is it coming from high in the chest? Is that the hand that you're feeling move? Is it coming from deep, low, slow in your belly? Um, and the more you get attuned to the different shifts in breathing. So anyone who's feeling a really quick chest based, maybe you're even heaving, you know, because you're now paying attention to your breath. Um, chances are that's an indicator that your body is stressed out. It's in that fight or flight mode that we were talking about. If you can barely feel your breath. Um, you all, it almost feels not present at all. Um, that might be a sign that you're in that shutdown that I was living in, in that dissociated state. Um, the breath that we're striving for. So once you get, and, and again, this means build a, a consistent habit of checking in with your breath. Learn, you know, when your how and when your breath shifts and changes throughout your day. Um, because what we can then do, if you say, as you're going about your day and you're beginning to have a conversation, say with a loved one, with a friend, with a partner, whomever, and you begin to feel your breathing pattern change, right? You're hearing something that you don't really want to hear right now. And you're starting to feel your chest quicken with breath, right? Now, here's a moment where you can have that ping of knowledge. Oh, my body's getting activated right now. You know, something that's happening or something that I'm hearing said in this moment is feeling threatening to me. 
Um, now you have an opportunity to not only have some awareness that there's something deeper going on that's probably going to affect what happens next if you don't pay attention soon, um, because what likely will happen next is the next thing you always do when you're feeling threatened, um, which could look like some of us kicking, screaming, yelling at how that person's wrong and stop saying what you're saying. Um, maybe it looks like what I used to do, just associate, okay, you can keep saying what you want to say, and I'm just going to kind of glaze over, check out on my spaceship, and not really allow what you're saying to, quote unquote, bother me, right? right? Because we are so hardwired in those responses, because that's the only way for a very long time that we've been able to find safety in those moments by fighting off the threat, by screaming, by yelling, by fleeing the room, or by going away on our spaceship. And now, over time, we have the opportunity, the more attention we pay to our breath throughout the day, to now embody a new experience. This goes back to this conversation about resilience. So now, as I'm feeling my heart rate just begin to escalate, because of course, there's a point of no return. Mm -hmm. There's a point of I'm too locked and loaded right now. I'm going to scream and yell that thing anyway. Don't stop me. So we need to learn how and when we can intervene on ourselves. But as I start to feel that irritation bubbling up and my my chest, my my breathing start to change. Yeah. Now I have the opportunity to use my breath to regulate my body in real time, um, to learn and teach myself. And for some of us, it's it's structurally going to be difficult. For so long, um, I breathed. My my posture was so hunched forward mm. that actually accessing my belly to breathe from was really difficult. And I began a practice of laying just teaching myself how to, by putting one hand on my belly, how to just breathe from my belly. Mm -hmm. So just coming in and out my nose, just practicing directing breath down into that belly. So that the next time, right, that, that bubbling agitation's coming up and I don't like what I'm hearing, I might have the opportunity to in that moment, do some deep belly breathing and maybe regulate my nervous system just enough to prevent that screaming, that yelling or that spaceship. That's awesome. I was thinking of as we were doing the practice, how it doesn't take much, right? It's amazing how little goes a long way with breath work and mindfulness practices. I also was thinking too, as you were speaking, about how that offers us the opportunity to start to gain awareness. And you know that fleeting moment before you're either going to react with the <laughs> habitual reaction that you've always done, or that you and that you witnessed X, you know, this person, this person do, or you can now respond from this different place. So now we're getting into rewiring the brain, I know a bit. But that awareness, especially the first time it happens, is so beautiful when you can grasp that fleeting moment and say, okay, uh, I'm going to respond differently now <laughs> instead of react from the same old place that I used to react from. That's that's healing, in my opinion. And, and I, I'm, I'm saying this and I want to emphasize it right there, right here now, um, because I think a lot of us have this idea that healing is never having those old thoughts come up, mm -hmm. never feeling compelled to scream and yell. I actually just had a moment this morning where I got frustrated with a cat box situation and I let out, you know, like I screamed alone in a room um, because that's what I needed to do in that moment. Um, and again, so anyone out there who has this idea that what healing is, is getting to the place where you never think those old thoughts or never have those old reactions. And actually, if we're being honest, Lisa, and again, I'll share from my own perspective, the moments that typically happen first are you have that moment where you're like, oh, you should probably leave the room right now and you don't do it. Right. And then you get into that same argument you always get into. And then after the fact, you're like, oh, right. Yeah, that was that ping telling me. And then maybe next time you set up yourself <laughs> to maybe leave the room because more often than not, we yeah. don't listen right away because we're in a feeling right. and that subconscious is locked and loaded. And it's, it's as if it's happening already. Mm -hmm. So at least we're noticing it, even if it's on the back end. <laughs> Yes, that's fine. There's some awareness starting to grow and then you'll slowly get there like a muscle. You're just retraining. I think a lot of this work and how to do the work and just from my experience too is committing to it, right? Is the discipline behind it. And I know you speak a lot about that in the book and in your beautiful, on your YouTube channel. In the beginning, you say, you will know when you're ready to begin this journey. Then you'll second guess yourself and want to quit. This is when it's the most important to stay committed and keep repeating the practice until it becomes a discipline. Eventually, that discipline becomes confidence, and confidence becomes change, and change becomes transformation. The real work has nothing to do with anything out there. It has everything to do with what's in you. It comes from you. 
And I just love that part because it reiterates, as we said before, like we need you, the world needs you to do the work. We all need you. And if this could help the collective in some way, then I'm, I want to do it. And so I think that's really beautiful that you weave those themes in through the book and in through your messages online. If we could talk a little bit about um, the self-healer circle, because uh, we only have a few minutes left. And I think this is such a beautiful offering and place for people to come to, especially what we're talking about discipline, right? Especially to help people feel supported. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that offering? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this, this really kind of, again, brings this whole conversation um, in terms of story and connection and community. Um, what the self-healer circle really represents for me is all of that. Um, you know, thinking back to very early on on my journey, as I began to, you know, come into awareness of how I was showing up for the different relationships that I was in and how I wanted to begin to show up um, in not only those relationships, but in, in new ones, new ones that would feel safer and safer for me to continue to, you know, experiment with being who I truly was, seeing that I had a habit of not doing that. So in the beginning, um, I didn't really know where to, to turn, to find, you know, my, my people, if you will, or, you know, even people that were beginning to have these similar conversations with themselves, beginning to think about, you know, some of these concepts. And I looked all around and I didn't know where, where to find them. Um, and then I started to really think and also see how um, globally resonating the stuff that I was talking about on my Instagram was. This wasn't just people from, you know, my little nook and corner of the world in Philly where I was living at the time. These were people who were living grossly different experiences in terms of different locations in the world, what they were going through. Yet there was something yeah. that was resonating with the way what I was speaking about or the concepts or my own journey. And so I was seeing like the numbers of people who were also wanting to have these conversations and who were also looking in their local communities for who to have them with. And, you know, it, it came to mind, you know, and I began to explore how can we do this virtually? Because here I was seeing this whole virtual world begin to blossom and these communities begin to form and begin to grow. And I was thinking, you know, community is integral, safe communities, communities where these conversations can happen, where people can begin to explore and experiment with new ways of being, because that's what healing is. Even you reading that, that um, quote from the book, transformation. That's what healing is. We're talking about changing, you know, ourselves. So that means loss of old ways of being and newness, experimenting. And I'm using those words very intentionally because again, it's unfamiliar. It'll feel unsafe at first. So the community, the holder, the container is really important. Yeah. Um, so for me, thinking about how to kind of integrate those concepts into a healing community. Um, and of course was born the self healer circle, which was just that it offered people a space, a virtual space so that you can join no matter where you are um, on the globe. And, you know, every month we, you know, have a new topic in healing and we talk about the topic conceptually. We talk about how to apply the topic. So for instance, this month, we're talking all about the shadow um, of course, we've talked about the ego a bit. So what is the shadow? How do I begin to do shadow work? And I have other um, workshop presenters who come in from all different schools of thought, areas of thought, a lot that talk about the body and more somatic work. And again, beautifully full circle, it's very much like this learning community right. where we're all showing, we're all curious, we're all on somewhere on our own stage of evolution or our own journey. We're all looking for that safe contained space to begin to engage some of these topics and begin to build um, new, deeper, authentic relationships. And that's ultimately what the circle is and is kind of continuing to evolve into, I can't believe it's already two years old. Wow. Um, and it's just really a, a great space and it offers me the same. So each and every month, I mean, I'm right alongside members using the tools, having conversations um, about how they apply in my life, because I think what kind of one of the beautiful aspects of the circle is how it is a kind of really equalized community. There's not this idea of people who are the holders of information. Mm. It's really a learning community um, where we're all learning through our own stories and sharing and through others. That's beautiful. 
What a beautiful offering. And then I know your Instagram and your YouTube channel, such generous offerings there. You could create your own home weekend retreat with Nicole. I don't know if there's anything you want to say on that or add to if, if there's other channels where folks can reach you online. The Instagram, the YouTube, there's a new TikTok account, um, all of those, you know, kind of more social media types. Even our podcast has a YouTube, the Self Healer Soundboard. Mm -hmm. um, they are so, they're, they will always be part of um, that which is the holistic psychologist. Because for us, that's our opportunity to continue to connect with people wherever you are um, in terms of access points. Um, because I'm very aware that, especially in terms of this information or these tools, yeah. a lot of places where people are living, this just simply isn't available. So mm -hmm. keeping these resources free, um, keeping these conversations happening, providing these tools, um, putting out the weekly video on YouTube where I do a little mini teaching lesson um, that usually always ends in a how-to, you know, kind of tool, practical application yeah. is always going to be part of what we do into the future um, because that's that's the way we can give people who don't have, who have a cell phone, of course, and having a cell phone, you know, I understand is a privilege though, having that access point of an internet, even right. um, for some people will give them resources that they might not have had available. Otherwise, I do want to mention that on the book real quickly in general, you're getting the concepts, the tools, but then I love at the end of each chapter, the encouragement to application. So you have the do the work section the future self journaling prompt, because we can learn all day long, right? But to actually apply them to start to get familiar with applying them, as we spoke earlier about starting to get comfortable with it, dipping the toe in, you give those action prompts, which I think is a beautiful way to get started too. You go into so many aspects within each chapter, within each topic. And so it's everything from, you know, we spoke about the trauma body the power of belief, meeting the inner child, healing the inner child, mind-body healing practices, which of course a lot of our community leans into. We've heard so much too lately about boundaries and trauma bonds and reparenting. I love the reparenting section. It's a continuous learning. It's a forever book. It's like the book you could gift to anybody at any time. And it's it's forever. It's one of those books you're going to have along the journey because you're entering into different life stages. You're peeling away different layers. So you can always just keep coming back to the book. There's going to be something there. And so it's beautiful. You've done a beautiful job with it. Your work and your messages are just empowering. And I intentionally say empowering because you help us remember that the power is within us and that helps to give us hope. Um, and it's inspiring. So, so much gratitude to you and your team for doing the, the good work you're doing in the world, helping people and guiding them to be self-healers. And by extension, you're helping heal our world and our planet. And so thank you so much, Nicole. I appreciate it. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close? Thank you so, so much, Lisa. I, am, I was having chills hearing you, um, even the way you're describing the book as, as a lifelong tool, because that's really what I was hoping for, um, that it would feel like a roadmap for people that can be, you know, read at their own pace, lived with, journeyed through time. Um, because something I always remind us all, and you're, you spoke it very beautifully themselves, is not, not only is the power within you, the knowing is within you. And that's what will continue to guide you as you go into the unknown. Um, because at our core, that's really scary. It's really scary as a human to, to have tomorrow be as uncertain as it is. Um, I get asked a lot, you know, kind of like, what are the five things that you would suggest, you know, always doing for health? And, you know, while there might be some foundational core aspects of what I do now that will continue with me into my 40s, my 50s, my 60s, um, I can't yet exactly know what it's going to feel like to live in a body that's 40, that's 50, that's 60, because I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of the powers within you, I believe that's, that is the work of healing that we're doing. We're reaccessing, we're pulling back all of the layers of the onion and disconnection that's keeping us from that power, um, because that's how we can, in an empowered way, then walk into tomorrow confidently. Um, this conversation very beautifully ties up, right? Because I can develop the assurance that I can navigate what comes tomorrow. Um, right. And I do that by, by knowing myself, by being in my own presence um, and by learning, you know, kind of what works for me. 
Um, and that's why it's so beautiful that all of us are having these conversations. And I want to thank you before we end here um, for carving out your time and energy and presence to speak mm -hmm. with me today, because it's through these conversations um, that quite literally lives change, the mm -hmm. world changes, and I'm here for it. Oh, thank you. This has been such a gift. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Thank you to our entire team behind the scenes at GLOW. I'm so grateful for your care and commitment to serving our members around the world. Thank you to our teachers for so beautifully sharing your gifts and talents. I'm also grateful to our lovely community of GLOW members. You've supported us since 2008, and because of you, we get to continue to do the work we love. It's the combined support of our team, our teachers, and our community that grants me the privilege to continue to bring you the GLOW podcast. Thank you to Lee Schneider, our Red Cub Agency, for production support. And the beautiful music you're hearing now is by Carrie Rodriguez and her husband, Luke Jacobs. And remember, take care of yourself because our world needs you. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. You can find the Glow Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or glo.com slash podcast, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Derek Mills.